Okay, we begin today Sefer Nachum, Nachum being the seventh of the twelve Treosar Nevi'im. We're paired Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, Masa Ninve Sefer Chazon Nachum. So, just as a way of introduction, Nachum is believed to have lived 70 years, or certainly prophesied 70 years before the Hurban Bias Rishon. He is believed to be a student, a Talmud of Yoel, a Novi we've had previously in Treosar. Interestingly, his prophetic output that we know of is a total of three prokim in Sefer Nachum, and they all deal almost obsessively with one topic, and that is the coming destruction of Ashur, Assyria. And in a way that's not surprising, uh, Assyria was the preeminent empire of that time. It had conquered most of the known world. We have already experienced in that when time Nahum is prophesying, the exile of the ten Shvatim of the northern kingdom. And we saw then, if you remember, that Sancheriv, who was the head, the king of Asher, used a very clever but brutal kind of resettlement program when he conquered a territory. The Navi previously calls it Bilbo Ha'amim. In other words, rather than risk the people still staying there in their native land and being able to plot revolution and governments in exile, Sancheriv exiled them and dispersed them to the furthest points of his empire, where they literally were never heard from again, including the Ten Shratim. So it was a very cruel but effective kind of exile. One prize had thus up till now eluded him, and that was the conquest of Judea, Yerushalayim, and the base Mikdash. And this is what Nachum is trying to head off, because Nachum prophesied that one, Asher is going to pay for what it did to the ten tribes, and now it is going to be destroyed and prevented from conquering Judea, and moreover, it is never going to be heard from again. Sancheriv Asher so preemptively will the Kaddish Baruch Hu deal with him. Um, one more point, he does, even though as we say it's 70 years before Hurban Bayas Rishon, it is 100 years after Yonah, whom we saw prophesy against uh, or warn Nineveh of the dire consequences if they didn't do tshuva. Nineveh was the capital city of Ashur, and they, of course, famously take his prophecy to heart. But now it is 100 years later, and they have greatly uh, retreated into their way of, of Odazara and behavior. So, Hilly, doesn't that raise a question? What's the value of temporary tshuva? <laughs> Good question. Um, it, the only thing you can say is it's the Kaddish Baruch's divine plan 
They had their free choice. They wore excellent ballet tshuva. And then, yes, they slid back. And now they are going to face their, their um, preemptive destruction. They, they learn nothing from it. It happens, all right. So if you want to argue it, are we any better in terms of the nation where we went through periods of tshuva and then fell backwards? It's a, it's a very good question. There, there, the answer is more difficult to come back uh, and to put that on our list that we've got to take up. So, three chapters. First, the two chapters deals with a, a prior destruction that occurred to Sancheirev. And the third is the ultimate destruction of Sancheirev, which we know is going to be at the hands of this upcoming upstart from Bavel, Nebuchadnezzar. So we begin. Masa Ninveh. Masa is a form, one of the ten forms of prophecy. It means literally masa, a burden. The Navi carries it around verbally and delivers the prophecy. Sefer Chazon, the book of Chazon, which might refer, Chazon is the strongest form of the Vua, might be referring, say, the Mephorshim to Yonah's mission to Ninveh some hundred years earlier. From Nachum the El Koshi, that's the city El Koshi, probably in Yehuda, making Nachum a Judean. At the same time, the Malbin notes that the use of the word Sefer, Masa Ninveh Sefer, has never been used in determining or in describing a prophet's uh, prophecy. Why safer? Safer is to draw the distinction that, for example, unlike Yonah and unlike other prophets who went out into Ninveh or out to the cities or to the people they were prophesying, he, Nachum, never leaves home as it were, so that he delivers it. He sends it in the form of a safer. Now, in the first section, he's going to describe to Ashur and the people of Israel the Kaddish Baruch Hu, his midos, his characteristics. El Kanovino came Hashem. Kaddish Baruch Hu is a vengeful God who takes vengeance. No came Hashem, second time. Uval Chaima, he's a Baal Chaima, again of anger, the Malbin describes the difference of often chema, as af you act upon immediately chema, he lets stew for a while, as it were, and then takes vengeance later. Then no came Hashem litzorov, he takes vengeance against his enemies, the no and carries out destruction against those enemies. So the first question is, why three uses of nekama? You get the idea. It's used three times. Say them, of course. There were three waves of exile that Sancherev afflicted on the Shivtei Yisrael, and that's what he's going to be paid back for. Also, that there's going to be Nakama in the past, present, and future against Sancherev and Ashur. And in addition, um, while we know that it is even forbidden for Jews to have nekama, to take vengeance, it is not a Jewish trait, 
It is permitted when your enemy are the other people of the nations who are trying to destroy you, and it's perfectly appropriate, we know, for the Kaddish Baruch Hu to take uh, that kind of vengeance. Continues, Pastor Kimmel, at the same time, Hashem Erech Hapayim, he is a God of mercy, Ugodo Koach, and with great strength to carry out what he plans, Benake Lo Yinake, however, he, when is wronged by other nations, when there is, uh, Israel is being persecuted, he will not uh, relent. And what are his weapons of uh, retribution? Besufa ubesara, darkov anon ave graglov, literally tempest and storm and dust at his feet uh, that he uses the employees against the target of his anger. Moreover, he will bend nature, the Kaddish Baruch Hu, to achieve his goal of revenge and retribution. Gor Bayam, um, he will make the sea dry. He will destroy all the tributaries, the rivers. Umlo Bashan, he will make desolate Bashan Vikarmel. Bashan Vikarmel, we've already described as two of the most fertile areas in Eretz Yisrael. Uperach Levanon Umlo, an interesting uh, metaphor, the flower of Lebanon. That could mean, say the Mephorshim, the Beis Hamikdash itself. We know how much of um, Lebanon products went in there from King uh, Hiram of Tsar, the woodwork, the cedars of Lebanon. It could also mean the fruits of Perach Lebanon. There's a medrash that shows King Solomon planted many fruits inside the base of Mikdash, fruit trees, including a tree of golden fruit. And that gold, it was solid gold, yielded when they took their fruit, that was the source of the Kohanim's income in a large part, because he would sell the gold. Now, with the destruction of the temple, it was coming with the destruction, there was going to be none of that. In other words, the Kohanim would lose that very valuable source of support. Continues. With these punishments that the Kaddish Baruch brings, these bending, as it were, the forces of nature, Harim Rashu, mountain shake, the hills um, melt, the earth smolders, as does the whole world. It is a fierce, awesome display of nature that the Kaddish Baruch Hu uses to achieve his ends. Lifne zamo miyamod. Who can stand up in front of his anger? Who can withstand his deep anger and fury? It is like fire, is the metaphor like fire, and rocks shatter. Um, Atsurim nitatsumi menu. And surim is the toughest form of rock, the Mephorshim say. And if he can do the toughest form of rock, he can do any nation in the world, no matter how mighty it may appear. Tov Hashem Lamaoz, at the same time, Nachum is telling us that the Kaddish Baruch Hu is good to those who obey him. 
Tov Hashem l'maoz b'yom sorrow. When they are in need of him, he is there. B'yodea choseibo. He knows who depends on him for refuge. Ubeshetev. over kolo yasem ekoma v'oiv of yirdov kosho. And with a sweeping, a sweeping flood, he puts an end to a place. Kolo. He can end any city, any place, and plunge its enemies or his enemies into total darkness. And the reference, of course, say the Mephoshim, is to Nebuchadnezzar, who will destroy Ashur till nothing is left, which is literally true. Nothing will be left of Assyria. It will not be in phases, but in one devastating action. Nothing will survive. What can you possibly hope to withstand um, from the Kaddish Baruch Hu when he do this? It could also mean, by the way, a previous destruction of Ninveh. Uh, so, what possible structure, sorry, what possible strategy can you devise against Hashem? He is making an end of you, and uh, said, "Lo sokum pamayim You're not getting a second chance. It will be total devastation. That's it. You will never be heard from again. Lo sokum pamayim. The adsirim sochachim Interesting metaphors, because yes, you may be like thorns intertwined, which is a good thing, it's a very unifying thing, because you can't separate the thorns. And so yes, you're a mighty army, you're like tangled thorns, and at the same time consumed, you are consumed with your lifestyle of drinking and, and partying and banquets, but yet despite all this, you are going to be destroyed like a straw um, in fire. It will be a total uprooting. It will be as swift uh, as one can imagine. That from you now, and now we are turning to the actual threat. (coughs) From you, excuse me, <clears throat> Someone is emerging, we're talking about Sancheirev, who has become a plotter of evil, who strategizes against Hashem, a totally lawless strategist. And Koamar Hashem, im shleimim v'chem rabim, yes, even though you are many, you are united, and you are numerous, uh, just as you are many, how you will be cut down forever. Um, I will affect you. And again, that threat, I will have no need to afflict you a second time. You are going to be gone. The Atta Eshbar Mateu, and now he's speaking to Israel. I will break the rod that they have upon you, Me'olecha, Umosorosrecha, Anatech. I will snap your chains. And Asher, now speaking to Asher, uh, 
They will never hear from you again. There will be no seed. There will be no inheritors. Your children, Sancheirim, aren't going to follow you. And let's just talk about that for a second. We know that Sancheirim ultimately we're going to have it again. It comes to Yerushalayim. And as a miracle would have it, they tell him, his advisors, let's get it now, tonight. He takes a look at Yerushalayim from the mountains and says, this is Yerushalayim, this is what I've been lusting for all these years. No, it'll wait till tomorrow. That night, a miracle occurs where 185,000 of his troops die literally in their sleep, not a shot being fired. The next morning, he gets up and gets out of there with his remaining troops, and he's too embarrassed to go back to his capital city in uh, Asher, and he stops in a place called Narodach, where, of all things, he goes into a temple of Avodah Zorah to pray. You would think that he would have been chastened and learned that that's not going to help him. And there, his two sons, um, Adramelech and Sarazar, assassinate him. They assassinate him so that there will be no more children. They themselves flee to a, a, another country and never go back to Ashur. So what the Kaddish Baruch Hu is saying, nothing will come from you. There will be no uh, progeny from Sancheirev. I will destroy your temple. And the way we destroy the temple is because after that, the temple is not used anymore. So it's as if, the Radak says, it's as if he destroyed the temple. I will make your resting place just indistinguished. No one knows what happens to Sancheirer. You will be anonymous, totally in debt. And that's how I will achieve the revenge against Sancheirev. It is preemptive, it is sudden, it is total, and they are never to arise again. So tomorrow we will continue with his Navuos against Ashur and Sancheirev. 8.45 a.m. You will not want to miss it. Be there. Adkan.